Thank you, teens and Jen. Appreciate that. It really was a great week. I've got to say, the uh, the thing that is throwing me off a little bit right now is the thing I like about camp. One of the things I like about camp. So I don't normally preach in a t-shirt. It just feels odd right now uh, being up here in a t-shirt. But uh, obviously, we wanted to represent the camp and give you a little bit of a feel of the camp. But I, I'll be honest. I had to go and ask Pastor John if he had any advice on how to put a lapel microphone on a t-shirt. I'm used to clipping it to the tie. So now I'm like, you know, okay, I think it's on. It's throwing me off because I'm out of my normal flow, my normal routine. But that's one of the things I like about camp. You get out of the normal routine. Hopefully not everything's on backward or anything like that, like this microphone. But you get the opportunity to allow God to give you a fresh look at your life. And I will say, if you're there as an adult and you're like, man, I wish I could go. I wish you know that weren't just for teens. It's not. Next week is, but after that, they've got a ton of couples activities and adult activities and ladies retreat and men's activities and just all sorts of stuff. They're working on family camp and just a whole variety of activities. Um, Brother Scott Carsley was just explaining that to us as sponsors, so if you have any questions, feel free to contact him, but I could probably answer some of them with, uh, for you as well. They, they have a lot of stuff to do, and I will say from what I hear, if you go as an adult, they try to make it just as much fun for you as they do for teen camp and kids camp in the summer. So if you get the chance, whether it's the Edge or the Makaira Men's Conference or different things, if you get the chance to step back from the normal routine and flow of life, hear some extra preaching, spend some extra time around fellow Christians, I would encourage you to do it. It's hard. We're, we're busy. I'm sure you are. I'm sure we all are. But boy, there's nothing like stepping back and just taking a fresh look through God's eyes at our life. And it's such a privilege. I think the young adult class, at least, maybe even some other Sunday school classes at our church have used Brother John Getch's books before. So some of you got to put a face with the name there. He's out at West Coast Baptist College and Lancaster Baptist Church out there in California. The man drove all the way from California. And I believe he's already preaching in Michigan today or tomorrow. And after that, it's uh, somewhere in the Midwest. But yeah, he drove by himself that whole way. Uh, I was having a casual conversation, and he slipped in a detail about an 80-mile bike ride and just went on with the fact, like, as if it weren't a big deal that a 71-year-old man on his way to preach just a day or two off went for an 80-mile bike ride. He said he got a little dehydrated, I guess. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's doing some stuff. God's using him. We enjoyed his ministry. I think he ran every single morning we were at camp, so he, he put me to shame in so many ways. But uh, again, thank you for all who had a part in, in sending us and praying for us, and uh, we look forward to next year. I will say, if you are counting, you know, one, two, three, and we said about four, obviously you saw Addie Moore in the pictures, and uh, she and her family are away picking Haley up from some uh, big travel that she had there. But uh, Addie, as well as I believe all four of our teams, Pulling out said they didn't want to leave. I assume that means they would want parents to come be with them at camp at some point, but uh, they obviously had a great time. We're excited about going back next year. I won't go into that. Y'all, that's family counseling. That's for a later time. You can see Pastor John if you need to there. But uh, it was such a great week. Uh, this is my third Sunday night in a row having the privilege to preach up here, and we're going to be concluding the, the book of Jude, a uh, fairly short book. We'll move fairly quickly through the uh, end of it here, but a message series I've just simply entitled Convinced, and I hope you are. There, there were some young people who had probably heard maybe even dozens of times about Jesus before, and last week they became convinced 
for the very first time of their need for Jesus as Savior, and they accepted him. There were probably, and I know there were some young people who have been saved maybe even for years, but they can, became convinced that Jesus needs to be a bigger part of their life, that they need to give him control, like Ms. Jen just sang about, and it's just such a privilege to see it. This, this uh, message, if we gave it a separate title besides convinced, really be convinced that it's worth it, convinced that we can move forward, even though the current is getting stronger the other way. From the very first verses of Jude that we preached through a couple of weeks ago, we can see both what we have in Christ and what we're, what we're up against. It's pretty clear which one's greater and stronger, though. Let's get a running start here in Jude 1. It said, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, some of what we're up against here, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll come back to those guys, those false teachers really trying to pervert the gospel and the Bible and their preaching ministry and their teaching ministry for their own gain and their own purposes. And we still see that around today. But it's a verse later in my notes, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God is more powerful than any false influence, any false teacher. The current may be getting strong, but if we'll be convinced of what God can do, he can use us to do some amazing things, and we can be convinced that we can keep going, keep moving forward. Some people would say that taking teens to a camp for a week is a waste of a week, a week of their summer and a week of ours. But I'm absolutely convinced that we are investing in teens' lives and they're investing in their own lives for now and for eternity. Someone told, say that Joel Tilly is wasting his summer by spending it as a camp counselor. But I'm convinced that he's doing a great job and that that is having an eternal impact on lives. He got down there early and was helping them get ready for camp, just doing a phenomenal job. Uh, Jen had to step out to get some things ready, but uh, she made a lot of decisions as a teenager at camp. Uh, John Getch, our speaker, he went through the, the first time he got to talk to us as sponsors, as adults, and he was saying about the one summer he got saved at camp, the next year he surrendered the, to the Lord to do whatever the Lord wanted him to do. It was a little while later he specifically surrendered at camp to preach. He said, I didn't get married at camp, but uh, that was about the only thing that I didn't do at camp. But major decision after major decision can be traced there. So whether it's camp or whether it's your own taking time every morning to read the Bible, and it might seem like it's not worth it, if we'll be convinced of what God is capable of and what he's doing, we'll realize that it absolutely is. You might be thinking, man, it's summer. Weather's nice. It's light out. And we're coming to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. I know you all are here. But is it worth it? Yes, it is. Usually it's the most worth it when we start to question. Because God's doing something and Satan doesn't like it. And God's doing something and people that don't like God will start to express things about how it's not worth it. It was Coach Vince Lombardi that said, winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. I don't know that that's true. I won't debate football or anything with you there. He, he did win a lot. But coming to church shouldn't be something we look at as a good option to consider. It should be a given that we can then build upon. We should be so convinced that we need the Bible in our lives, we need each other in our lives, that we're, we're doing that, and then it's what can we do next? We'll go to camp, we'll come back, we'll live it out, we'll, we'll tell others about Jesus. It's not a, 
Well, should I share my faith? No, we should be so convinced of the need around us that of course we're going to share our faith. How can I do it better? How can I do it more? Are you convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Are you convinced that air is air and truth is truth? And is that showing up in your life? Let's pray and we'll uh, wrap up the book of Jude here. Father God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for giving it to us in your word. Thank you for all you do for us. Again, we praise you for a wonderful week of camp, eternal impact made in many young people's lives. I believe over 23, uh, I believe at least 25 young people saved already this summer in the different weeks, and we look forward to what you'll do next week and beyond. I pray that we will be so convinced of our need for you that it'll show up in our daily lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. First of all, let's be convinced that Christianity has to be more than skin deep. It has to be more important to be right than to look right. Jude verse 12 is talking about these false teachers, and it describes them in, in quite a few different, very specific ways, and we'll look through them briefly. Jude 12, it says, These are spots in your feasts of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose Fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. If you step into the light, there's going to be some bugs. We saw that very vividly. I believe it was Tuesday night. There was a game where this big bright light at night, it would turn on. And the teams were supposed to do one thing. I, I'm not even sure I completely understood what y'all were doing. But uh, then the light would turn off, and that meant run faster, I, I think. Go. Okay, the, the light off meant go. But you could watch, you know, uh, just swarms of bugs there. If we'll step into the light, there's going to be some bugs. There's going to be some people who don't like it. There's going to be some false teachers that we don't match up with, and that's okay. They were spots in your feasts of charity. Really, these love feasts that were held with the Lord's Supper doing something amazing. The focus should be on Jesus, but they were making it on themselves. People in the Bible, it talks about in Corinthians how they were really there to, oh, I'm rich, and so I can bring a big meal. Oh, you're poor. You know, we're not going to share. That's ridiculous. This isn't about you. And focusing on themselves and what they could get when it's commemorating the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. Clouds they are without water, carried about of the wind of winds. Clouds without water can probably be one of the most frustrating things to a farmer, even a gardener. If it looks like a rain cloud, but there's no rain coming, that's a difficult thing. It's like hope that'll let you down. Are you convinced that this is the hope that won't? There's a lot of false hope, a lot of fake hope. I I hope you have friends and even family members that you can turn to when you need some hope. I I sincerely do. I hope some of them are even in this room with you right now. That's awesome. But are we turning to God and to his word when we need that hope? They they were carried about of winds. Ephesians 4.14 says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. If we'll be convinced of our need for the Bible and read it and, and let it read our hearts and our lives, we'll be able to not fall for every scam, every spiritual scheme that's out there, but we'll be able to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. Unlike these false teachers who were trees whose roots withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. This is a dead tree. Now we won't go necessarily phrase by phrase, but through that whole thing. But this is a dead tree. 
I've heard it described as the fruitless, rootless tree. And if the fruit is absent, get to the root issue. Boy, people will even spend a lot of money trying to figure out how to fix this issue or that issue. But let's never do that without first getting to the Word of God. If our fruit isn't what it should be, will we allow the Word of God to show us what's at the root of the problem? If we have Jesus as our Savior, there should be some fruit, and maybe we're going through a period where our lives aren't bearing as much fruit as they should be. Let's allow God's Word to show us why. These false teachers were raging waves of the sea, foaming out their shame. Now, I like to go to the beach. I know some of you have done that even recently. I I think there's a couple of vacation plans coming up to the beach here soon. I enjoy waves. I enjoy being outright as they're crashing on me. I enjoy getting knocked around by the waves. I enjoy watching them lap up on the shore and then going back. Did you ever see the foam that leaves behind? I've seen people collect shells off the beach. I've seen people collect sand, shark teeth, all sorts of things. Never seen anybody too impressed by that foam. Doesn't last, and it's worthless. There are a lot of things that are fun, a lot of things that look good, but are absolutely temporary and absolutely worthless. And you know what? A lot of times we try to base our hope and even our lives on them. There's a lot of people you can find preachers on the internet. I hate to even use the word preachers, but they're just like these guys. They're fun. They make you feel good. The only problem is they don't line up with the Bible. And we'll sometimes say, oh, I would never, you know, attend their church or I would never let them be the main influence on my life. But they just make me feel so good. Emptiness is emptiness. Air is air. Let's not allow people who are contradicting the word of God to influence us at all. They were wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Apparently in the Bible, when it it refers in English to wandering stars, they were most likely planets. Uh, Venus in the night sky, Mars sometimes sure looks like a star. Venus usually is the brightest star in the sky when I look at the sky. I'm no astronomer by any stretch. But these guys were wandering, never even staying true to the word, never staying true to anything. I picture it as being like getting all of your opinions from social media, believing everything that's on social media. Can you imagine living that way? (laughs) The worst part is there are probably millions of Americans and people around the world who are. No, no, we've got something better. We don't have to fall for every scheme. We don't have to be like, okay, there, I'm going to go navigate by that star. And it wonders and it wonders and we're all over the place in our lives. No, we've got something better. Those can't be used to navigate because they'll lead you anywhere and everywhere. Let's be convinced that Christianity has to be more than skin deep. It has to be more than looking good like these false teachers did. It needs to be based on the truth. Next, everyone will believe Jesus eventually. Let's do all we can to convince all we can while there's still time for them to repent. Picking back up in Jude, verse 14, and it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, seventh generation from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints end times there to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they are ungodly committed, have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are some ungodly people. But it's Philippians 2 verse 9. It says, Wherefore God also hath given, hath highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. One day in eternity, every single person will get that Jesus is Lord. 
Let's do everything we can to convince them to do that now here on earth during their life when they can place their trust in him as Savior. Because they'll get it, but it might be too late. If they have died and gone into eternity, it's too late for them to accept it. Everyone will be convinced of this truth. Let's convince everyone we can before it is too late. And it's amazing. You ever give up on, please don't answer this out loud, but you ever give up on someone spiritually? Oh, that person could never get saved. Camp was done on Friday. Saturdays a wake up, pack up, teens had a little devotion time, but I mean the messages were done, final scoring was done. Friday night is the last message, and right after that is the campfire testimony time, and then camp is basically done. It's like get a little bit of sleep, I guess, and you know, pack up and go home. Camp was done. It was over. Those who were going to get saved clearly had gotten saved. And that girl did. I don't know her name, but I was, it was just moments after that. I was walking through the one building, and there's a camp staff member just so excited. I mean, just bouncing practically. Biggest smile I saw on his face all week about this girl that got saved. I don't even think he led her to the Lord. He's just so excited that she did. It was done, but it wasn't. Who in our lives might we think it's done? They could never. And God might be the one. God might make them the next one to accept him as Savior. Let's keep witnessing. Let's keep sharing. Let's convince all we can. Everyone will believe Jesus eventually. Let's convince all we can while there's time. Next, let's be convinced that complaining is unnecessary because God is in control. First part of verse 16. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust. Really, complaints, what we complain about, it shows where we're focused and even who we're focused on. Now, it's just us here. You ever get a little whiny? You don't have to answer out loud, I promise. But you ever, you ever get a little complainy? If you think you don't and you're married, look at your spouse. They'll, they'll be honest with you, if not now, later. But uh, mine's not in here, so woohoo. Um, yeah, no, I, I can complain. I can get downright whiny. Boy, complaints can show, show so much. But do you get surprised that we're talking about these wandering stars leading people away from Jesus? We're talking about these false teachers You get surprised that complainers and murmurers are on this same list, basically? Complaining's a big deal because it it means we're not trusting God. It means we're worrying. It means we're giving into all these things and not being content with what God's given us. And I have never complained and served God at the same time. I've tried to in the same day. Don't know how well it went. But I've never served God and complained at the same time. It just doesn't work. I've heard murmuring there defined as gathering support or agreement from those who can't even help you resolve the issue. Well, let's take it to God. Let's, if there's an issue that needs to be resolved, let's handle it biblically, but let's not murmur. Let's not complain. So many people who complain about Christians, they don't want us to just agree with them. They want their uh, bad opinion to come out of our mouth. They want us to say that this sin or that sin is okay. We're not going to do it. We can't do it. They can complain about us, but let's be convinced that for us, complaining is unnecessary because God's in control. The end of verse 16 shows us that we should be convinced it really is better to give than to get. Some really simple, practical things here. But the second part of verse 16, it says, In their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men, men's persons in admiration because of advantage. These guys were not in it like the staff of the edge. Man, the edge is there to give. They're not there to get. The edge is there to see as many boys and girls and adults and teens accept Christ and to grow in Christ as they can, and they'll do whatever they can. They'll play silly games. A lot of the pictures where people were falling, they had a square about this big, and it was trying to get like seven people to all have their feet in there. And 
Joel was okay. He was falling, but he, he lived, I promise. But, you know, the edge will do whatever they can to help people. These false teachers are all about getting. They want to use it to get a bigger offering so they can get, 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 get. They want to take advantage of people so they can get, 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 get. So let me ask you, are you a giver or a taker? Are you willing to give to other people, to be selfless of your time, your money, everything? Give to the church, sure, of course, but man, God meets our needs. Give to other people anything you can to have an influence. You ever give a generous gift of time or money or stuff and realize how much influence you can gain because of it? Man, the edge gave and gave and gave last week. These teens didn't want to leave. These teens would have listened to them talk about anything, and then they're talking about the Word of God and what an opportunity to impact. Counselor after counselor, you saw some of them in the pictures, willing to give of their summer. Megan, probably next to nothing, I mean, just giving of their time, willing to give that time to invest. So are you and I, are we givers or takers? We should be convinced that it really is better to give than to get. Next, we should be convinced that all the crazy stuff we see around us, God saw it all coming and has a perfect plan. We don't have to complain. We don't have to get selfish and stingy. God saw it all coming. Verse 17, but beloved... Remember ye the words which are spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they should, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. They're mockers. Everything Jesus went through, even literally being mocked on the cross for us, someone can laugh at us. It's okay. I hate being laughed at. I really do. But if I'm laughed at because I trip and fall, which might happen at any point, I am clumsy, y'all can laugh, it's okay. But man, if I get mocked or laughed at because I'm taking a stand for Christ, that's fine. That is okay. These guys were mockers, walking after their own ungodly lusts. We don't have to fall apart every time unsaved people act like unsaved people. Because as 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. These false teachers and their followers, they really separate themselves. And so often, we'll be called as Christians intolerant and divisive and stirring up trouble. But division is often caused not by those contending for the truth, but by those going away from it. Let's keep doing right. 1 John 2.19 describes some of these people. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Let's keep doing right, no matter how wrong others do. They were sensual, giving into all sorts, not just um, sexual lust, but all sorts of just whatever their body wanted. Is your body informing your soul, or is it the other way around? I hope it is, but how often do our appetites for whatever control us even spiritually? They described them as having not the spirit. Really, the carnal mindset is be like me, be like me. Everybody has to be like me. You have to agree with me or you're wrong, and that's not okay. The spiritual mindset is be like Christ. Let's help ourselves and others take that mindset. Let's be convinced that God saw all of everything we're going through, no matter how bad it gets here in America, saw it all coming and has a perfect plan. Next, let's be convinced we don't need to fear. We need to follow Jesus. We're moving quickly, but it's verse 20. It says, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Let's keep moving forward. Let's keep building ourselves up. Let's keep growing. If you try to stay where you're at spiritually, you're going to drift backward. 
And you picture, um, I don't know what your vehicles are like, but I've driven vehicles before where, man, you're on a hill, you take that foot off a brake, you're going backward. You know, a bicycle, roller skates, whatever. You can't stay where you're at when the current or the hill or gravity is pulling you back. So much in our culture is going to pull us back quickly unless we keep moving forward, keep following Jesus, keep building ourselves up. That we need to be convinced that they out there can't stop us. They can't stop God. Let's be convinced and let's do everything we can to convince others. Next, we see that we should be convinced that we can't lose our salvation. That's absolutely clear in Scripture. But we can miss out on the daily benefits of it. Verse 21 tells us to keeping yourself, keep yourselves in the love of God. Not as in keep yourself saved. That's God's job, and he does it perfectly. But keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. God always loves us. He won't stop. But have there ever been times in your life that you've stepped out of that love, been like, I'm not, I'm not going to live for his love. I'm not going to care about his opinion. I'm going over here. I've done that. been absolutely miserable. He never once stopped loving me, but I've stopped loving him the way I should. Let's be convinced that, yeah, we're not going to lose our salvation. We're always on our way to heaven if we've accepted Jesus. But as I've heard it said, a growing Christian is an active Christian. Let's get busy. Let's enjoy everything God intended for us. Next, let's be convinced, we've already talked about this some, but that it's not too late for souls. Famous verses, verses 22 and 23. And of some, have compassion, care about where souls are going, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Many are hardened by their rejection. Many are hardened until they aren't. But a lot of people are tender searching. And it's maybe that one more time. It was that one more message. And the message that led that girl to accept Christ wasn't even preached by Brother John Getch directly. It was testimonies from her friends. Man, your testimony can make such a difference. Brag about God. Talk about how good he is. It can make an eternal difference and be so amazing. And when it talks about fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh, I think there's a lot of applications. But the application for the lost Sometimes we got to talk about the hard truth. I don't like to even think about hell. I know I'm not going there, but I don't even like to think about it. But I would rather think about it and even talk about it than have friends and family go there. I would rather have those hard conversations, find ways to work it in. On a lighter sense, before we look at our last point, I've always thought like roller coaster evangelism needs to be a thing. You know, you get on next to a stranger or a friend, and just about when you're about to take off on that really scary roller coaster, maybe get them right up front, just look at them square in the eye and say, if you were to die today, do you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven? I've never done that. Please understand. I've never done that. But, uh, yeah, I think about 14 people in the car would get saved, or they'd all throw you off. I don't know which. But uh, maybe, maybe be a little more spirit-led than that. But there's, there's ways we can do it. Finally, let's be convinced that it was, is, and always will be all about God and his glory. Great place to end. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. I've heard glory defined as attention. God deserves our attention, and we should do everything we can to call people's attention to him. 
We should come back from camp and brag about what God did. We should come back from anything God's done for us and want to talk about it. I've heard majesty as defined as his alone. It's what God deserves. And dominion is his arena of control. Are we so convinced that it's all about God that we'll give him, as Jen sang about, control of every area of our lives? As we conclude this whole mini-series, are you convinced? Can people around you, people around me, tell that we are? How is that being convinced of the truth of God's word showing up? Has there ever been a time when you've been so convinced of your need for a Savior and the truth of Jesus that you've placed your faith and trust in him as Savior? If not, man, it's the best decision you could ever make, and we'd love to show you from God's word how you can do that tonight. If you are saved, are you willing to contend for the faith? Are you willing to step up and tell others, even though they might mock you, they might, who knows what? Who cares, though? It's all about Jesus. Are we so convinced of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and of the truth of his word, that we're doing all we can to contend for the truth and to convince others around us to come to Jesus? I shared about one of my favorite parts of camp. Let me share about one more. It's seeing a bunch of people, primarily thinking of the camp staff here, but seeing a bunch of people with a bunch of different talents and responsibilities, so convinced of the truth of God's word that they'll give their jobs everything they've got so that kids, teens, and adults can learn more about Jesus. Whether it was the lawn crew, whether it was counselors, whether it was the operational staff, whether it was Brother Carey as the camp director, Brother Carsley heading up the camp and doing more than I can even wrap my mind around. That man is, has a vision. God's doing something through him. You pray for him. But no matter what, they're just happy people giving it their all for Jesus. And they're not doing those things because their talents matter most to them. They're using those talents for God because they're convinced that God matters most of all. Are you convinced? Let's pray. Father God, you've done so much to show us your love and to show us your truth. I pray that we'll leave here tonight convinced. If anyone here, anyone even watching online is not saved, and they're now convinced that they need to be saved, may they talk to someone or ask you, just cry out to you for salvation even right now. May they know for sure they're on their way to heaven. And if we're Christians, if we have you as our Savior, May our, our being convinced of you and who you are, may we spend so much time that it's obvious that we love you, obvious that we're convinced of your truth, obvious that we know others need you, and so convinced of the truth of who you are that if others mock us, it'll still hurt, but it's okay because we're moving forward with you and for you. Pray for you to help us in those areas. It gets hard. The current's moving hard the other way. May we keep building ourselves up in you and keep moving forward. We thank you. Pray for your blessing on the activity to follow. Thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just so you know, we'll be down over.